April 16, 1897, around 2 o'clock in the morning. A night watchman in the town of Paris, Texas, is coming home late from work. As he's letting his dog out, the night watchman catches sight of something strange and unsettling in the sky. A giant, luminous cloud is moving toward his house. A little freaked out, he runs across the street to alert his neighbor, and together they look up. In horror, they see a 200-foot-long ship slicing through the air. His neighbor describes it as like the return of Noah's Ark with wing-like attachments. And these two were not the only ones who saw strange lights flashing above the sky in the West. Between 1896 and 1897, unusual flying objects were reported in newspapers all over California, Texas, and Oklahoma. Some onlookers described a cigar-shaped craft with a searchlight brighter than the moon. Others saw indistinct shadow objects moving at a chilling, unnatural speed. In any case, the day after Noah's Ark, the sequel, was spotted in Paris, Texas, that thing, whatever it was, would touch down in the small nearby town of Aurora. And this crash landing would transform the town forever. I'm Amanda McGowan, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are heading to Aurora, Texas, where many people believe the local cemetery is home to an alien gravesite. Did an extraterrestrial really land here way back in the 1890s? That's a question that still divides the town even today. More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. On the morning of April 19, 1897, residents of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, sitting down for breakfast and coffee with their newspaper, would have come across a very strange article in the Dallas Morning News. The dateline was from two days prior, from a place called Aurora, about 50 miles west of Dallas. This is what the story read. 
At about 6 o'clock this morning, the early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which has been traveling through the country. So reported the article's author, a man named S.E. Hayden. He went on, It was sailing directly over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, collided with the tower of Judge Proctor's windmill and went to pieces with a terrific explosion. If you were reading this story at the time, no doubt you would also have been thinking about all of the other UFO sightings that had been in the news over the previous weeks. There was the account from the frightened night watchman in Paris just a few days before. That was about 100 miles away. There were also UFOs spotted in Denison, Texas, about 80 miles away. So if you were the kind of person that would maybe believe a story like this, you might even think the UFO was getting closer to you. So that would be enough to freak anyone out. But not only had this ship from another planet been spotted, it had also supposedly landed. Here's Essie Hayden again. The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one on board. And while his remains are badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Maybe you're thinking, okay, if these people thought they saw a UFO, maybe it was just an airplane. But keep in mind the time period here. This is 1897. The Wright brothers only flew their first plane in 1903. And for any curious locals who were following this story, there was even a follow-up the next day in a competing newspaper. That story noted that the pilot of this ship had been given a funeral by Aurora's residents and was buried in town in the cemetery with full Christian rites. Over the years, the story of the alien crash became an urban legend in Aurora, and people were split on whether or not they believed it. Some old-timers swore up and down that it had happened and that people in their family had seen it, and others said that it was basically a load of hogwash. But the story really got a second wind in the 1970s. Reporter Bill Case was working the aviation beat for the Dallas Times-Herald, and he was digging through local newspaper archives looking for story ideas. He came across S.E. Hayden's old 1897 article about the alien crash and thought it was obviously quite a story. So he headed to Aurora and started digging around. Soon enough, his competition at another Dallas paper, a reporter named Jim Mars, got wind of this whole thing. And Jim also thought that the alien crash was a great story. So Jim headed to Aurora and started interviewing older people in town, including three people who were alive at the time of the crash. As dueling newspaper men, Jim and Bill could have been rivals. But as Jim later recounted, Bill actually reached out to him. Jim describes all of this in a documentary that he made, and he said that one day he got a call from Bill saying that they should meet up at the Aurora Cemetery. When he got there, Jim found Bill underneath an enormous oak tree with a branch that looks like a bent arm, and Bill beckoned him over excitedly and showed him a grave that he had found. It was unusually small in size. On top of it was a headstone broken in half with strange markings on it. 
It seemed like it might have been carved with a V with little circles inside. And I suppose if you were inclined to see this kind of thing, it could look like a flying saucer like ship with porthole windows. Bill explained he had also come to the cemetery with a metal detector and had waved it over this odd grave. And there were three hits. Something metal was buried underneath. Bill told Jim, if we exhume this grave, we could actually find out what happened here. This whole time, Bill and Jim had been publishing stories in their respective newspapers about the alien crash. And the story was really starting to pick up steam. UFO hunters started to flock to the town. Even this group of investigators called the International UFO Bureau decamped to Aurora. They started snooping around and started agitating for the grave to be dug up. This made some of the local people in Aurora pretty angry. Officials threatened lawsuits against anyone who tried to exhume the grave. And a group of armed local men even posted up at the cemetery to guard it and prevent anyone from digging. They stayed there for two weeks. Jim later said that right after the guards left, the broken headstone was stolen and has not resurfaced since. In 1979, just a few years later, a local Aurora woman gave her own take on the alien gravesite in the pages of Time magazine. Her name was Etta Pegues. Etta was in her 80s and was a local historian in Aurora. And she blamed the entire story of the UFO on S.E. Hayden. That was the man from 1897 who had originally reported the landing. She said, quote, Hayden wrote it as a joke and to bring interest to Aurora. The town was dying. A little bit of history about the town of Aurora. Aurora had been a pretty prosperous and fashionable place in the 1880s, about 10 years before the supposed alien landing. In the 1880s, Aurora had 15 businesses, two hotels, and by some estimates, a population of around 3,000 people. But this all changed very suddenly and drastically in 1888, when a mysterious illness swept the town. Locals called it spotted fever. Today, it's believed to have been a form of meningitis. But people became ill and died within 24 hours, oftentimes. Hundreds of people in town died and were buried in the cemetery. And out of fear of the disease, a lot of people moved away and never returned. And that wasn't all. In the early 1890s, there was supposed to be a railroad that was going to have a stop in Aurora, and the company announced that they were actually going to reroute and go through a different town instead. Aurora's population plummeted even further. So to Etta, Hayden's story just seemed like a ploy, basically, to get people to come back to Aurora. She said, quote, People wish so hard the story was true, they really start believing it. Why, the judge never even had a windmill. So, what really explains the Aurora Spaceman? Was the tiny grave that reporter Bill Case found just the grave of a child dead from meningitis, whose family had left in a hurry before they were able to put a suitable grave marker in place? Maybe the story was a hoax to bring attention to the disappearing town. Maybe it was a hoax to sell newspapers. Or any combination of the above. As for Jim Mars, the reporter... He came to one conclusion. 
the Aurora gravesite was the real deal. He told a local newspaper in 2011, I think the Aurora story is as strong as you can get. It had contemporary reports from newspapers, and it was corroborated with all these other stories. Mars died in 2017 at the age of 73. The legend lives on in Aurora. In 1976, the Texas State Historical Commission put a plaque outside the cemetery, listing some of the notable folks in town buried there, and even mentioning the supposed UFO crash. Though the plaque is careful to call it a, quote, legend. Local opinion remained pretty divided over what really happened, though in recent years it seems like the town has embraced its reputation. You can go to a local bar and grab a Martian margarita, and there's even, toward the entrance of a town, a selfie station next to the town sign where you can pose for a photo next to a metal flying saucer and a windmill. The city council has even given an official name to the town's most famous resident, the alien pilot. He is now known as Ned, named after a former caretaker of the cemetery. If you're in Aurora, Texas, you have to check out the cemetery and the Texas historical marker that mentions the legend of the spaceman. But if you can't make it out to Texas, Jim Mars, the reporter, made a documentary that we've mentioned a couple times about the incident. It's online. We'll post a link in the episode description. Just know that he has a very strong opinion on what happened. Check it out. The truth is out there. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. Our production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. And if you would like to learn more about anything that you heard today, check out our website at atlasobscura.com. I'm Amanda McGowan, wishing you all the wonder in the world and out of this world. I'll see you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Dakota Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Dakota Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Dakota Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by the New York Times. 
Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.